Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you 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 must be so excited. Listen now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com This is a podcast from The Bugle. An age-old war, its origins lost in the mists of time. We wait in the shadows, patient, quiet, seeking our chance for vengeance. This is The Gargle, the sonic, glossy magazine you'll find in the weekend edition of The Bugle's audio newspaper for a visual world. All of the satire, none of the politics, plus fashion, sexy tech, style, and tips you won't be able to wait to forget. I'm your host, Alice Fraser, and your guest editors for this week's edition are Andy Zaltzman and Felicity Ward. Welcome. Hello. 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 Just a quick question, Alice. Yes. I didn't realise I was in the official role of guest editor. What, I mean, what editing What editing do I have to... Because this term editor's really loosened <laughs> up over the years. It's a lot like um, celebrity fashion lines. We send you the stuff right. that we've created and you look over it and give a judicious okay. nod. So I don't have to actually cut stuff out. I'm going to cut out... Every alternate word I was planning to say, then I feel I've <laughs> contributed some editing to it. Might come in under time as a recording. <laughs> no. The front cover of the magazine this week is Grimes posing next to a shallow, unmarked grave while reading The Art of War by Sun Tzu. And the satirical cartoon this week is Facebook, Instagram and WhatsApp going down with a middle-aged man sitting in front of his computer going, oh no, how will comedians ever know that I understood their joke without my slightly worse version of it in the comments section? <laughs> Other headlines this week. Facebook has announced that it will pause its plan to make Instagram for kids and continue its plan for turning all adults into overgrown teenagers with no impulse control. And Daniel Craig wore a controversial pink jacket to the premiere of No Time to Die, making him the only adult male at the premiere not cosplaying as James Bond. Now, let's get into our art section. This week, our art section is news of, of, a, of a very controversial piece of art. Felicity Ward, you're an art critic. Mm. Can you explore this story for us? There is an artist called Jens Harning. I'm sure that I'm damaging his name as I say it out loud. Um, and he was commissioned to recreate an artwork from a decade ago which was a bunch of a bunch of money in a frame, I think. I think that was, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it was a little bit more detailed than that, but it was money in a frame, something like that. <laughs> and instead what he's done is taken the money and thought that took me a lot of time 
and I don't think this is enough money. And so he just sent them two blank frames and he's renamed the piece, take the money and run. Now, I don't know if you know the name of the gallery, but it's Cunston Museum. How did you think he was going to act? Cunston by name, Cunston by nature. But he has till January 22nd to return the money and you just know it's going to be something made out of paper mache, don't you? Oh, it's such a beautiful story. I feel like it's the pinnacle of conceptual art because every quote from the gallery is them carefully saying how sure they are that he will return the money eventually. (laughs) I also love the sentence. The CEO of the museum, this is from an article, laughed and said, the new work reminds us that we work for money. If he does need another reminder, please send $84,000 to 10A Royal Green. My <laughs> I think it, it, in many ways that, that this this needs to be applauded, really, and I think you know everyone should do exactly the same in, in all their jobs um, because, you know, there's not enough arts and beauty in the world. Mm. And if, you know, people, you know, if, you know, skiving work or not doing what you're contracted obliged to do becomes you know a, a work of art in this way then it's just spreading more more beauty and joy to to all humanity so i don't see any any downside of this um i did like the fact that he said it is a breach of contract and breach of contract is part of the artwork i mean that's <laughs> that's really going in hard on yeah. you know the, the meaning of art and and, and the purpose of art but i mean you know the, what is it a valid work of art i mean it, it's all a matter of opinion isn't it i mean it, it might be yes it might be no is it a sensible way of getting booked to do any art in the future <laughs> almost certainly <laughs> not um but you know it's all about innovate and, and to be fair to this gallery they don't actually need the money I've, I've actually been to that gallery and they've got what looks like some original marcel duchamps in the gents so i can they can just flog them off and they'll be all right <laughs> whack them on ebay this is the thing about art. Art used to be about art reflecting life, and now art is art reflecting on whether art is art or not. <laughs> and also, you know, he's given them, I think it's a great work of art, two empty canvases. It's putting art back in the hands of the fans, because for too long, artists have told us what to look at by <laughs> making the art themselves. You know, you think of Rembrandt doing his selfies. You think, oh, well, we've got to just take what this dead Dutch guy's told us to look at, you know. Rodan, oh, well done. That's a person, I can see that. But, you know, this revolutionary approach to art enables us all to take our own paints into the gallery and, and get stuck in. So it's, it's very democratising. <laughs> you know what that paint's called, Andy? It's called our imagination. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> your ad section now, because in the Sisyphean rock-rolling contest that is creating your insecurities and then temporarily offering you the illusion that you might ever buy your way out of them, ads are the eagle eating Prometheus's liver every day, showing you, Sisyphus, the sexy abfield afterlife hellscape you might have if you start drinking this diet tea. <laughs> this episode of the podcast is brought to you by reality show The Believer where a group of conspiracy theorists compete on an island for whose wackadoo misinterpretation of easily explicable phenomena has the most what we're upsettingly calling Kool-Aid power. Tune in (laughs) every Wednesday night on television. Do you think Prometheus ended up, you know, quite enjoying having his liver ripped out after a while? Do you think that probably became the highlight of his day just because it broke the monotony? As someone who's been in lockdown for a couple of months now, yes. I... I, (laughs) Yeah, Probably he giving critiques. A, a lockdown pioneer. <laughs> he was the original foie gras. <laughs> and this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Brussels. 
Don't you deserve a holiday? Why not come to Brussels and enjoy everything we have to offer? Try the chocolate, try the beer, and make sure you stop by the famous Mannequin Piss bronze statue, which is Dutch for little pissing man. Part of every Brussels' must-see list is this representation of a little naked boy doing a little naked wee. His charming fountain was created in 1619 and produces about 1,000 to 2,500 litres of water a day. It's about 104 litres an hour, 125 millilitres per second, which is approximately half a glass of water. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Now it's time for your celebrity section. Uh, Andy Zaltzman, you're a celebrity hound. I know you follow (laughs) entertainment news with avid attention. Absolutely. Obviously, you're deeply invested in the relationship of Elon Musk and Grimes. Can you tell us a little bit about what's going there? I'm very deeply invested in the the relationship of uh, of Musk and uh, and Grimes because um, I think I get to play the winner. Uh, in the next round, so it's it's quite exciting uh, for me. But uh, Grimes appears to have moved on from Musk to his near namesake Marx, and has been seen reading the uh, Communist Manifesto written famously uh, in 1848 by Karl Marky Marx um, and his uh, buddy Freddie Engels. And um, it's quite an interesting uh, mix of celebs. This because you know, we've got Grimes, not her real name, but her, her performance name. But Karl Marx himself was actually, ironically, pretty big on the London grime scene in the 1850s. Um, <laughs> alongside, uh, I mean, a lot of the top celebs were at the time. Uh, painter Dante Gabriel Rossetti performed under the moniker P-Raff. Uh, novelist George Eliot, she went uh, by the name The Dangerous M.A.E. Uh, sadly, no recordings of their gigs. But um, So there is you know, a, a, a linguistic link between the two. But, I mean, it's quite an... I, I don't know quite what you can read into it as a, in terms of um, you know, a breakup turning to the works of Karl Marx uh, when the person you've broken up with is very much the embodiment of the logical end of lunatic capitalism. So, I, I mean, I don't... I guess it's saying, you know, we're done for now, but, you know, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, have you either of you ever broken up with someone and then turned to, you know, a seminal work of political philosophy? Yeah. Certainly, I think Marx would applaud to see the means of production of drama back in the hands of the worker. Felicity, how do you feel about this story? Were you rooting for this this couple? Are they still a couple? I think neither of them has, has come out to explicitly say they are not a couple, and we know that, that no. they do that. That's something people do nowadays. They have a 
they have a notes app tweet that they tend to put out simultaneously. Yeah, they're partly separated, they're semi-separated. Basically, they still love each other, but Elon is in Texas or something a lot of the time, no doubt improving the human race, um, worried about, you know, us as a global community rather than himself and his money and his penis. But um, <laughs> I know, you know, lots of people when they go through a breakup will turn to Adele. And I think it's really admirable that she's turned to communist philosophy. I think, you know, it's just another breakup album really, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it was, a, you know, it was a classic breakup. It's a uh, classic thing, breakup. The, the communist, yeah, the breakup of... You know, the, the history of most you know feudalism and and uh, monarchic exploitation and and humanity yeah boy meets girl girl becomes queen queen <laughs> kills boy but i think what i what i absolutely love about grimes is how you know she's obviously i think she's very very intelligent she's really cool she's really smart she was a producer for her own music and sort of made music by herself in a um, bedroom all of the lightsabers and the alien tattoos and the, you know, wearing leather cloaks like a wizard in the middle of um, an LA winter, which is, you know, 45 degrees. I still love that her real name is Claire. Can you imagine how upsetting <laughs> that would be for her? That would be so upsetting. It's a real preemptive betrayal on the part of her parents. It really is. I'm this enigma. You're Claire. Clean your room, please. And that is 100% why they've given their, their child that name. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I even said his name. I think he, I think it's shortened X because it was a longer <laughs> name. And then the people at Deadpool or whoever it is went, nah, no, you're gonna you're gonna have to give him a name that people can say and that he can say. Like I get it, but no. It was more a mathematical equation than a name, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Initially, yeah. X is flying. My name around. is Algebra. <laughs> That's quite a good name, actually. Algebra. Yeah, short for Algebrazier, generally. Um, <laughs> That's the female, though, isn't it? That's the feminine version of the name. Yeah, yeah, my mistake. But I mean, when you look at the the words of of, uh, of Grimes and and Marx, um, which uh, you know, when you put Grimes and Marx, there's something wrong about those two names together. She wrote, uh, "You gave up being good when you declared a state of war," which is, you know, I think something that Karl Marx could easily mm -hmm. write. He wrote, "All that is solid melts into air, all that is holy is profaned," which I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure if you play backwards, you'll find hidden. In Grimes's hit song "Kill versus Mame," so you know, <laughs> who knows? I think there's a lot of crossover. Well, she even, yeah. she did say it in one of her interviews. She said there's some a lot of good ideas there, but she also said the philosophy I'm most inspired by hasn't been created yet. I'm like, cool. <laughs> yeah, take that ancient Greece, you bunch I mean, of time wasters. Just wear a beret and get over with. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we get it. You're exhausting. That sounds so much like a Bitcoin billionaire's excuse for why they haven't solved the problem of excessive pollution in the creation of Bitcoin. Oh, she says it's something to do with cryptocurrency. You are way on the money there, Alice. Is it money, though? That's the real question. <laughs> I looked up that Karl Marx had seven children, which I didn't know. Eleanor, Henry, Groucho, Harpo, Chico, Zeppo and Gummo. <laughs> I know that that joke has probably been done 18,000 times, but I've thought it for a decade and I've never put it in anything. So I'm so proud of you. Thank you so much. In other celebrity news, Lindsay Lohan has infuriated the community of furries online. Andy Zaltzman, you're deeply embedded in the online furry community. Uh, can you yes. speak on behalf of them? Well, um, I mean, Lohan has, for many decades 
centuries even been touchdown and inspiration for the, the furry community um <laughs> you know it's been a tough few thousand years uh, for the furries as, as humanity has become gradually less furry through evolution and in, <laughs> indeed fashion so it's you know these are tough times lohan has tweeted i'm, I'm going to just say this paragraph straight through and then we'll <laughs> have a look at it in more detail lindy lohan tweeted an image of herself as an anthropomorphic dog or her quotes persona this was to promote an auction for the canine cartel which is an online community that offers non-fungible tokens of special dog avatars <laughs> now so if we if we just go through this bit by bit and just kind of analyze what it says about the current state of our once great species Lindsay Lohan the film actor and does she do other stuff I don't know volleyball maybe she danced danced in a video clip once in like a, a clip of her at Ibiza she's played fast and loose with religious identity <laughs> tweeted um, um yeah but to be but most deities have done that to be fair um they keep uh, switching aspects of their identity and uh, rule book. She tweeted an image of herself as an anthropomorphic dog. Now, <clears throat> for a start, tweeting an image of yourself, I mean, this just, you know, symptomatic of the, the vanity of the modern world. I don't blame Lohan for this. You know, I don't even blame modern humanity. I blame Rembrandt. He started it. He's <laughs> oh, another bloody picture of me. Um, uh, as an anthropomorphic dog. I mean, surely, artistically, you know, we talked about art earlier on. If there's one strand of art that has been fully explored to its greatest extent, it must be the anthropomorphic dog. I mean, they've, there's been enough pictures of anthropomorphic dogs. We don't need, we don't need. There's been cartoon. There's been you know classic cartoons. You know your dog Tanyan and the Musker Hounds, for example, around the world with Willy Fogg, a, a cartoon featuring a dog, Sco Scooby. Enough f***ing cartoon dogs. <laughs> We don't need anthropomorphic dogs. Anyway, uh, Lohan tweeted this image. Her, her first owner, look, I'm not going to criticise anyone for making a pun, but <laughs> you do not need a first owner. A first owner is not something you can create like that. You can't just make a picture of them and say, that's my first owner. To get a first owner, you need to acquire a dog. You need to spend <laughs> years training mm. and indoctrinating it. You need to let it, let it take over your life to the detriment of your relationship with your human family members you need to let your dog become the truest expression of your inner self you need to put years of <laughs> effort in and lohan is just you know this is symptomatic of the throwaway world that we live in that people aren't prepared to take over another living creature and project their personality onto it anymore they just put up a tweet and i think that's sad Andy, I, I, I know you're being satirical, but it, as a matter of fact, Lohan has received the criticism that she's received from the furry community is that, that the, the depiction of her is insufficiently furry. It's, in, right. it's, it's diminishing furry traits uh, in mm. favour of Lohan-esque traits and that the art is of middling quality. Right. A furry 3D artist called Cade said that he believes it's lower quality because many furry artists would receive backlash if they took an NFT commission because apparently the furry community is very pro-environmental. Right. Uh, for obvious reasons, given that they, yes. they think that they're animals. <laughs> yes. I mean, she was missing ears. That's pretty basic bitch stuff, isn't it? When it comes to an animal, yeah. you've got to put ears on it. Well, particularly a dog. It's really one of the defining features 
Yeah, and a tail. Dog. No tail, yeah. no do- no ears. What's the point? Yeah, I mean, you, you you see dogs with docked tails, I guess, but you don't see many with docked ears. No. Which is, I'm not justifying either element <laughs> of, of, of docking. Uh, I think, you know, sharks should be docked their heads. But, you know, apart from that. I think you're going to get a lot of backlash from that, Andy. I think so, yeah. I mean, what's the shark-based community? The biteys? Right, the biteys. Yeah, yeah. sorry, biteys. I don't, I don't really mean it. I mean, still, what the f*** is a non-fungible token? I mean, is it not one of the signs that presages the decline and fall of all human civilization, Alice? Yes, it is indeed. And, Annie, this is the thing. I think, as we determined earlier in this episode, all good art, all good modern art, is just asking us the question of what art actually is. And in this Mm. case, a, a thing that is not very good, that you can only buy the idea of and have no real ownership over is in itself a question about what what art right. actually is. It was to promote an auction for the canine cartel, and as if there aren't enough cartels doing damage in the world, you suddenly bring dogs into the into the game as well. I'm not sure I'm in favour of that. Oh, I always thought the canine cartel was just another word for the tooth fairy ring. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it's uh, and the, the noose is is closing on on that. That international <laughs> conspiracy, finally. Um, but anyway, so basically you've got NFTs of dog avatars. You know, the fact that these things have any financial at all makes you think we are f***ing done here yeah. on this planet. There is no point wasting all that time and money trying to belatedly fix the environment. Our species has run its race, and when I say it's run its race, it's ended that race in a ditch, staring at itself in a mirror saying, am I beautiful? I am. Am I? And that's the end. That's, that's us done. Yeah. Having said that, I thought that about Gogglebox. When Gogglebox, <laughs> the, when I heard about the concept of Gogglebox, I'm like, this is, we're going to watch people watching TV. That's what we're going to do. And I was like, that's the end of television. That's the end of art. That's the end of civilization. And then I watched it. I'm like, it's actually about family and about <laughs> how we connect with each other. And that actually brings up a lot of memories that are really strong. And that's how I bonded when I was younger. I mean, have you had the same emotional reaction to? Lindsay Lohan's tweet of herself as an anthropomorphic dog. There was an awakening. Right, okay, that's good. Uh, there was a sniff of an idea. Well, that's all the time we have for our celebrity section because now it's time for your reviews. As you know, every week we ask our guest editors to bring in something to review out of five stars. Uh, Felicity Ward, what have you brought in for us this week? Well, over the past 10 days, I've been testing out my own case of laryngitis. And although (laughs) I've had it in the past, I wanted to revisit the virus to see if I'd missed anything all these years later. Now, to give myself a new perspective, I made sure my toddler had it as well. And really, what started out as a great opportunity to cuddle with an otherwise hug-avoidant two-year-old slowly developed into an energy-depleting, labour-intensive care position while also needing my own support, coupled with endless repeats of CBB shows that may or may not have been used in Guantanamo torture experiments. <laughs> My son mostly has excellent taste in children's programming, like our agreed familial disdain for Waffle the Wonder Dog. Please take that off air. <laughs> that stars Lindsay Lohan, doesn't it? It, it does, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just her persona, not her as a person. 
But every now and again, he loves an absolute stinker, and he really hammered those over the last week and a half. Um, physical symptoms of laryngitis include a hoarse or croaky voice, an irritating cough that does not go away, having to sleep on the couch because of the lack of sleep it causes your partner, a sore throat, and wishing that the end was near. <laughs> laryngitis can be quite painful, but it's greatly helped by resting your voice. Unfortunately, having a two-year-old at home for 10 days and not going to nursery and having to entertain him when he's feeling better but not well enough to be looked after by strangers means that I was, as the French say, shit out of luck. Um, to add insult to injury, last night I fell asleep with a menthol strepsil in my mouth and I burnt my tongue. Um, all in all, I actually would recommend laryngitis for single people or childless couples, a great way to disconnect from people and really hone that phone addiction you've been toying with over the past couple of years. For them, it's a real four out of five. Um, however, for parents of young children and people who live with a talking parrot, this is a minus two out of five for me. <laughs> minus two out of five. That's the first time we've breached that's the awesome. zero barrier. Yeah. That's, a, that's a bold move. I'm the Elon Musk of reviews. <laughs> <laughs> uh, incidentally, what Waffle the Wonder Dog is the Secret Service code for Boris Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> and he's ultimately, what have you brought in to review? Uh, I've brought reviews in uh, to review. <laughs> it is art looking back at itself in a mirror. Exactly. thought it was appropriate. Reviews are, when all is taken into account, a questionable means of reviewing things. Uh, whilst a well-researched and objectively minded reviewer may provide insight and expertise, it remains necessarily a subjective exercise that can be coloured by various forms of prejudice and assumption. In the wrong hands, a review can be actively and sometimes willfully misleading in its portrayal of its subject and of no use to the reader or consumer. Uh, the uncontrolled expansion of reviewing from a few published writers to the entirety of the population of the world has brought greater democracy to reviewing, but also, as is so often the case, at the cost of any meaning and reliability. This is not to suggest that people should ignore all reviews, but it remains incumbent on the review consumer to take reviews in context and with the knowledge that in this age where everything is reviewed, including reviews, they might be absolutely full of cranky brain shit. Whether they are <laughs> reviews of a new Hollywood movie, a retrospective of an acknowledged great artist, a medium-grade ho hotel or a box of f***ing paperclips. Three stars. <laughs> Three stars indeed, Andy. I have a friend who uh, says that uh, it's important to do things that not everyone will like, and yet any time you ask uh, if you, he wants to go to see a movie with you, he'll say, what are the reviews on Rotten Tomatoes? <laughs> so, so he's a hypocrite. He is a hypocrite. Four out of five stars. Yeah. Hypocrisy is <laughs> great. I mean, it's, it just opens so many avenues to do stuff that you otherwise wouldn't be able to do. I'd give hypocrisy five stars. Oh, good for you. Well done. That's all the time we have for your reviews section, because now it's time for the modern world section, beginning with the most exciting news in the modern world, that babies are full of microplastics. Andy Zaltzman, yes. how do you feel about these new plastic babies? Uh, not guilty in the slightest. <laughs> they have to adapt. Uh, <laughs> I, I see it as, uh, as, as progress. And, you know, it, 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 I think also, you know, we talk about our, you know, the environment, and really, it's going to come down to the next generations to to deal with our mess. And you know, you want your children to understand what the natural world has gone through. So, you fill fill your babies with microplastics. They're going to have you know a bit more respect for the oceans. They're going to you know, feel at one with the world in a, in a way that maybe we we as a generation kind of divorced and uh, mm. insulated from the realities of nature uh, uh, have not had that, that opportunity. So um, I, I would say this is you know, a rare good news story uh, to, to come out of, uh, <laughs> out of uh, the devastation of the world. 
Well, it's a delightful story, if only because the uh, the article I read on Euronews.com began with a picture that is subtitled "An Innocent Baby Unaware of All the Microplastics in Her." Uh, <laughs> also, I mean, you know, this is you know, th- th- there's always flip sides to this. I mean, babies are now full of plastic, but also actually a lot of plastic dolls have human flesh in as well. You know, so it does does go both ways. It's like an exchange program. Exactly. Felicity, you have a baby. Is he full of microplastics? Look, you can only hope, you know. <laughs> One can only hope. Um, he's definitely full of shit sometimes. But um, <laughs> I wonder if it will help, you know, with lots of people get plastic surgery and help them look younger. I wonder if this will help maintain people because plastic does not degrade for a very, very long time. Maybe it's actually the key to immortality. Awesome. And kids love Lego. I mean, that's just a, just a fact. They just love it. And then, you know, the, the closer they become, the happier they are. So It's natural evolution. It is. And also, it, it does highlight the dangers of saying, eat your greens to your kids if you're, you're just feeding them little green microplastics. So, <laughs> it's like a bower bird. I don't... It, have you, have you, do you know what a bowerbird is, Andy? It sounds made up. No, I don't, no. It's but... a native Australian bird and right. they um, decorate their nests with blue things. So right. very trendy. I mean, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's, yeah. the, the, and looking on the Dulux paint scheme, they all, they all match right. up. Um, but, yeah, they, they will, like, collect little milk tops and they'll collect blue ribbons. And I just thought about all the plastic I th- saw in a bowerbird's nest when I was a kid. <laughs> it's absolutely irrelevant to this story, but wasn't it charming? It was, it was very charming. There's a, there, there's a butcher bird outside my house at the moment Ooh. that attacks anyone who tries to leave. So it's good to know that they're recruiting birds in the policing of the lockdown. Wow. They've got to up the numbers, you know. They need volunteers. That's all the time we have for that section because now it's time for our animal section. Uh, Hamster crypto traders now. uh, We've all suspected long and hard that most cryptocurrency transactions are perpetrated by either whales or hamsters in this instance. It's true. Felicity Ward, are you a fan of Mr. Gox, the cryptocurrency hamster? (laughs) Absolutely love Mr. Gox. I mean... There's a lot of people out there who love animals but do not understand cryptocurrency. And I feel like Mr. Gox bridges that gap. Basically, there's two guys in Germany and they said that it's the idea that even a hamster probably has a better chance of trading cryptocurrency better than humans do. So they've created Mr. Gox. Well, I mean, they didn't create him. That's, I mean, impossible, I believe to human men to give birth to a a hamster but you know who knows what the next 20 years will bring but what they've done is they have a they have a hamster they have a hamster wheel his name is mr gox and they have two tunnels and uh, they stop it and if he goes down one tunnel they'll trade in one thing and if he goes down the other tunnel they'll trade in the other thing and so yeah mr gox got off the hamster wheel of life and got behind the hamster desk of destiny and he's he's doing well. He's up uh, 19.41% on his mm. initial investment, which is good good for anyone, uh, beating not only uh, major stock market returns like uh, the Dow Jones, but also <laughs> many human investors as well. He's come out slightly ahead of Bitcoin, which is... Uh, yeah. I mean... I think he's been trading uh, blockchain software, XLM, and leafy greens was what I heard last. 
I mean, Andy, do you think this is a good way to, to make fake money? Absolutely. I mean, it's no great surprise that hamsters are better than humans at dealing uh, the crypto markets because humans are economically f***ing idiots. Mm. And hamsters may achieve that with experience, but at the moment their naive good sense gives them the edge. Uh, and, you know, we're used to other species being better at, than us at things we think we're good at. I mean, bees are much better at making sweet spreads for toast for your breakfast. Yeah. Uh, termites, at least as good at colonising places, probably better. <laughs> they make less money from it, but they also leave fewer trails of destruction and iniquity spanning centuries after their departure. Uh, giraffes, better at banging their heads on doorways. Maybe better at netball, although we don't know. So, <laughs> And sharks, more efficient sushi eaters. So we're used to the, you know, the animal kingdom... Being better at, you know, I mean, the strength of humanity is all-round skills rather than specific things like dealing crypto. Mm. Well, unfortunately, it looks like this might have backfired as Mr. Gox, the hamster's owner, has said that uh, since his hamster took on this business, a lot of people around have become interested in cryptocurrency. Normally, people who would run away if they'd heard the word blockchain being intimidated by the prospect uh, are looking at this hamster being very successful and thinking, well, if he can do it, I can do it. <laughs> It's an inspiration. Exactly. It's an inspiration to all of us. Well, I mean, I, I want to know if, 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 you know, other rodents are as good or if it's, you know, specifically hamster. I mean, there are gerbils, mice, you know, rats. I mean, imagine, you know, rats probably wouldn't, wouldn't be so good at... They're very kind of negative, destructive species, aren't they? Really mm, the they're, su they're survivors, but they don't have... They don't look... They don't have future plans in head, yeah. you know? They're just about getting by. Hamsters... They're big thinkers. They're playing the long game. they got a vision. It's not the only animal this week that's getting into human stuff. There's a monkey currently seeking revenge uh, 22 kilometres away from its <laughs> original <laughs> revenge spot. Uh, Felicity Ward, have you been following this story? Oh, big fan. Big fan of this. I think it was, was it in India? Yes, yes it was. Yes. Oh, lovely stuff. So as we all know... Monkeys steal stuff, very specifically in Asia. It's a, it's a very common thing that you see. Monkeys have been around tourists. They steal cameras. They steal bits and bobs. Anyway, they tried, I think there was a group of school kids and they went, okay, this is getting a little bit scary. Let's just, like, we'll trap him and then we'll, we'll take him away to, you know, to a forest that he can enjoy himself in. Anyway, it took three hours. He bit a guy. He chased a guy. And then he kept chasing this one guy. And then they took him 22 kilometres away. The guy was a little bit rattled, understandably. Like, the, it was a very deep bite. But, like, a couple of days later, he calmed down. And then the monkey got on a truck and came back and sought revenge. Now, listen, I have a lot of time for monkeys. But everyone knows you do not f*** with a macaque. This was a macaque. They're old world monkeys. They've seen some stuff and they're angry. That's why their butts are so red. They look infected, don't they? I don't know whether to throw them peanuts or like an anti-inflammatory. Now, the story itself is very tricky. It's quite ambivalent because, uh, like, the idea of being bitten and, and, and scared and followed, like, that is, that's a really scary idea. But the problem is the word monkey is so funny. You can't visualise the idea of being chased by a monkey without laughing at the person who's being chased by a monkey because it's a monkey. You know it what is. I mean? I know exactly what you mean, Lizzie Wood, although I have always been uh, afraid of monkeys since my childhood in Burma. Um, oh, God. Scary. Yeah. The, and they yeah. gang. They do gang things, which yeah. you know, should, should be the preserve of the destructive species that's on the top of the food pyramid, a.k.a. people. Well, uh, 
Andy, have you ever caused a monkey to seek you in revenge? And also, I feel weird about this being called revenge because the monkey won the first time. It's just come back to rub it in. He's a bully. Oh, well, it depends the timescale you're looking at because, you know, this is a long term. This isn't you know, just yeah. one monkey. This is on behalf of all all monkeys. Uh, for a start, you know, I'm, I'm not going to criticise monkeys in general in Asia for, for stealing stuff because I'm British. Um, so <laughs> it just wouldn't be right. I mean, I feel sorry for the, the rickshaw driver in question, a chap called Jagadish, as in uh, the Indian state of Karnataka. And if you are a rickshaw driver in Karnataka, you're probably not really expecting to be cast as the representative of Team Human in mm. a live, real-action morality tale about humanity's destruction and exploitation of the natural world. You probably just don't want to be a one-man living metaphor for the state of the planet, I imagine. And life is hard enough already as a rickshaw driver, having had exactly. the term rickrolling taken from you brutally <laughs> by the memes of the... <laughs> Look, I don't think we need to indulge the monkeys, these evolutionary layabouts, but they do suffer from seething interspecial jealousy towards <laughs> humans. And I can under, I mean, imagine if you're a monkey and you see a species you used to be pretty much on a level with back in the day, suddenly over just a few hundred thousand years, it becomes a big global superstar species like the humans have, and you mm. hang around doing not that much, frankly, just kind of cruising along unambitiously content with your lot. Then at times you're going to feel a pang of resentment and regret and you're going to take it out on humans, as this, this monkey in India has done. Another story in September told of a monkey that kidnapped a puppy in Malaysia. And all I would say is we ignore this trend in monkey rebellion at our f***ing peril. I agree. Do you know what? I think that Jens Harning actually made an artwork called Take the Monkey and Run about this. <laughs> And that is all the time we have for today's episode of the podcast. We're going to flip through the classifieds ads at the back. Uh, this, this episode is brought to you by Fun Sizers. Whoever invented fun-sized chocolates doesn't know how big fun is, but we do come to us for a fun measurement today. Uh, and then there's a very long phone number. Uh, Andy's Ultimate, have you got anything to plug? Uh, lunch. Um, excellent meal. It's one of the... Uh, top three or four meals of the day. Yeah. Uh, I really encourage anyone who's never tried it, give it a go. Excellent. And uh, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Foreign Languages. It's like your language, but from somewhere else. Uh, Felicity, have you got <laughs> have you got anything to plug? I did a show called Wakefield in Australia. It was a drama series, and I think it's coming out on Showtime this month in America, if you have any American listeners. Apart from that, you can visit my website, which I haven't updated, so it won't have all of my gigs in it or where I'm going to be. Well, a big thank you to our guest editors and to our roving reporters, Jay Lionel and Froggy Villius, who both sent us the story about the blank canvas, Katra Esk on Twitter, who sent us the story about Lindsay Lohan, and James, who sent us the story about the crypto hamster. And uh, that is all the time we have. I'm your host, Alice Fraser. Find me online at, at Alitrieve on Twitter and Instagram. That's A-L-I-T-E-R-A-T-I-V-E. Or you can support me on Patreon at patreon.com slash Alice Fraser. It's a one-stop shop for all of my stand-up specials, podcasts, blogs, and my weekly Tea with Alice salons where we all just have a nice chat. This is a Bugle podcast and Alice Fraser production. Your editor is Ped Hunter. Your executive producer is Chris Skinner. And I'll talk to you again next week. You can listen to other programs from The Bugle, including The Bugle, The Last Post. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. 
Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. Tiny Revolutions and The Gargle, wherever you find your podcasts.